Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Night Nation? Is on the heels of a bye week and now four wins on the season. UCF back in the bounce house here this week, gunning for Temple and win number five on the season. Is what's good, Night Nation? Scott Adams here, along with ten-year NFL veteran, longtime UCF standout, 04 to 07, Duzable. Dudes, we dive in here to uh, another episode. I know this bye week, it's been UCF's second one here of the season. And right now, this night team is is seeming as if they're really hitting a stride coming into this Temple game. Yeah, Scott, you almost wish that we didn't have the bye this week, right? Because before we needed it because of all the injuries after the Tulsa game. But we really feel like we've hit a stride on offense, defense, and special teams going back the last two weeks. And it feels like when you're... When your momentum is going forward like that, you kind of don't want to stop it from going forward. But this is, it'll be a good week. It seems like we might actually have um, Trey Nixon come back this week. I've heard he's actually been out there and practicing with, with the pads this week. So we could get some more, even more offensive firepower on offense, which which we talked about earlier, like the, the, the waterfall runneth over, right? We have so many playmakers on the outside. And to get, you know, a veteran receiver back, too, is only going to bode well for the UCF offense. Well, coming up on this episode of Two Nights and One Pot, a quick look back at that UCF-Houston game, both that offense and defense, maybe the most complete game thus far of the season. Touch a little bit on the bye week, what that provides. The next three games, all in the state of Florida, we'll welcome in a Temple team that has an array of problems. Deuce has his keys to the game, a little Deuce speak as well as military appreciation day from orlando and we'll get to all of that but first here's this a word from this week's sponsor the nfl season is in full swing you might not be at a game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there's always the online casino as well it never closes so head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses again that's betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sportsbook experts Two nights, one podcast. Scott Adams, Leger, Doosable. Doos, let's quickly take a, a look back at the Houston win two weeks ago. They're from the Lone Star State where that night defense, despite being without four starters, put together their best effort of the season. Holding a Cougar offense that had been averaging over 30 points per game, Leger, that UCF attempt to just 14 points. They turned them over twice. And oh, by the way, sack Clayton Toon five times. Yeah, you have to love that. And uh, just hearing what Willie Martinez was saying in this press conference yesterday, 
not just about the defense, but as a team as a whole, right? The most complete game, offense, defense, and special teams. Or Orbowski has a, a bounce back game, I believe, wins AAC Player of the Week on special teams that week. And you really have to love what you saw from the defense, right? A shutout the first half, like that was the most complete half this defense has played, and they've gotten a lot of flack. And if you if you look at it as a whole, Scott, you know, there's been a lot to be said about the defense. But besides one game and probably a half of one game, they've actually played at a high level this year, right? If you look at it, if, if the whole season is a combined together, besides the Memphis game and, and the half from Tulsa, I feel like our defense has played really well in, in spurts for, for mostly the whole year. And I think Rod Carey was really complimentary of our defense, saying, yeah, we know about UCF's offense, but it's that defense that really gets this team going, right? The defense, you know, the offense kind of feeds off that defense. When you're getting turnovers in the red zone, like Eric Gilliard got last week, and then, you know, they have a missed field goal to Houston in the red zone, and you hold teams to, to, to zero percentage points in the red zone, it bodes well for your team, and your team feeds off of that. And we saw that after those two drives, we got scoring points off of both of those, off the interception, and then also the missed field goal. UCF, I think, believes go down and kicks a field goal. So that is big. When your defense can play at the level it's, it's been playing at the last few weeks, Creating those turnovers, which UCF's defense has done routinely this year, and then turning those turnovers into points, it bodes well for your team winning games. Yeah, the UCF defense right now still number two in the nation in turnovers force. Conversely, man, dudes, the past two weeks in a row, that UCF offensive line has really set the point of attack and credit. Night running backs as well. Two consecutive weeks in a row in which UCF, Giffords and High, toting the rock against Tulane. And then last week, again, 353. That's a season high for UCF as both Otis Anderson, Greg McCray, over 100 yards on the day. Bento had a solid afternoon as well. But now it's the balance here. And teams that were, were maybe playing early on in the season here against Dylan Gabriel and, and throwing the football down the field, we're now starting to run the football in regularity and with great consistency. Yes, Scott. Now, me and you have talked about this all year, the balance of the UCF offense, right? When, when you can run the ball effectively how UCF has run it, the last two or three weeks, it really opens up your playbook. You get those one-on-ones on the outside with Marlon Williams, with Ryan O'Keefe, with Trey Nixon coming back, with Jalon Robinson. And there's not too many DBs that can stick with these guys because of their skill set and speed that they have on the outside. So the running game really opens up UCF offense, and you really have to credit Josh Heupel. You know, the air raid offense, a lot of coaches would get stubborn and be like, no, I'm going to still pass the ball. But he saw that we're running the ball effectively. He's let his offensive line be physical, and he's continuing to run the ball. You really had to love what you saw in that fourth quarter versus Houston last week. He was like, we're not even going to drop back and throw the ball at all. We're going to run the ball until they stop it. You know how demoralizing that is, Scott, when you're on defense and you can't do anything about that when the offensive line is practically letting you know we're going to run this ball down your throat. And you're getting four, five yards, and 20-yard games. That really – hurts you as a defense, and it, it takes the pride out of you. And I love that as a defensive player, when you when you feel like there's a physical offense on the field. I used to love and get in tune for those games. It was like 9.07 during practice, inside <laughs> run, because it shows the physicality that you bring week in and week out. That really proves what type of man you are on that field. When somebody practically lines up and says, we're going to run this ball down your throat, what are you going to do about it?
And oh, by the way, that was number rush defense in the American, the Houston Cougar defense, where UCF goes for 350 on the ground, 44 21 victory. Knights now 4 and 2 on the season, 3 and 2 in the American, and now two weeks to prepare for Temple. We'll get to the Owls in just a second. But now, dudes, you get this second bye week, and it's twofold. One, Guys are getting another chance for another week to be healthy. And then I think, too, because that the, that defensive line played as well as it did without two starters, there are now defections from this UCF defense. What now does this, this mindset for guys up there that were in that rotation that now have uh, extensive snaps under their belt and extensive reps, they're going to see the field more often. What did this bye week provide those guys mentally? Yeah, definitely. And me and Gary talked about this in the pregame before Houston, which guys were going to relish this opportunity and step up. We saw Cam Good. We saw Drop. We saw Landon Woodson, Josh Selaskar not playing like the true freshman. These guys know going forward now that they're going to get more reps, right? So before they go into a game, not knowing how many reps they could potentially get that game. But now they know they have to be the guys, right? Because we were, we're out. We lost those two starters for the rest of the year. They're not coming back. They're not walking through those doors. So now you guys have to step up and potentially be the guys. And we saw that from Cam Good. We saw from Noah Hancock last week. We saw from Landon Woodson and, and, and dropping to step up their game, right? Because the linebackers in the secondary are going to need them. We've talked about this, this young secondary that we have. The best friend for a young secondary is a defensive line that can create havoc and get after the quarterback. That way that quarterback is uneasy in that pocket, throws the ball a lot quicker, and we get those turnovers like we got with Eric Gilliard last week versus Houston. Yeah, it's one thing to go in like we did against Houston, where you find out that these teammates are not going to play, whereas now you kind of know what you're getting into here for the rest of the season. These are my guys. This is my personnel. And and it's a little bit different there from, from a Thursday night into a Friday night and then going into Saturday. But now you've had nearly two weeks knowing that this is the unit that you're going to, to operate with. Yeah, and definitely. And, and now it's what we talked about. So, right, Scott? Consistency. Can these guys be consistent, right? They were able to, to go into that game last week with not much notice, knowing that they were going to be starters. Now they've had two weeks to prepare. Know they're going to be starters. Can they up their gameplay, right? They played really well versus Houston. Let's see if they can take it up another notch. And we always, always talked about it in the beginning of the year, this depth of this D-line. Well, it came into play last week when we had two starters not playing. Let's see if they can elevate their game even more. This week versus Temple. The next three now, dudes, this is all the state of Florida. Two of three, which will be from East Orlando and under the lights from the bounce house. I know our guys are, are excited to get back in there. And at the same time, they're going to be taking on a Temple team that in a lot of ways is going in the, the opposite direction in terms of what UCF is. You see the ascension of the Knights, dissension here uh, for, for a Temple squad that has been absolutely hammered by not just in, uh, injuries, but also COVID. And from a week-to-week -week basis, Rod Carey, the coach there for Temple now here in his second season, he is playing with a, a hodgepodge mishmash of of players from from one week to the next we, we have no idea who may or may not play yeah definitely scott and this is one of those games where the calendar you circle and be like this could potentially be a trap game because we know who we have the following week right one of the top 10 teams in the nation cincinnati last year was a dog fight between us the year before we kind of embarrassed them on national tv in the bounce house so guys can't look forward to that game you have to really focus on the temple Owls this week 
It seems like they're going to get their star quarterback back in Anthony Russo potentially this week. And they have some weapons on the outside. If you look at Brandon Mack, a guy that's a big receiver that is aggressive with the ball in the air, stands over 6'5". And Jadon Blue, another receiver that went over 1,000 yards for them last year. They have a real rapport with Anthony Russo. So this is, a, this is a team, Temple, Anthony Russo came here two years ago and kind of lit up our defense, especially in that first half if you go back to the 2018 game. This is a guy that's going to be comfortable coming down to UCF and playing. And then a team that has really nothing to play for, that's the scariest team to play, Scott, because they're not expected to win. They're, they're, the point spread is probably going to be ridiculous in the game. So they're going to come and give you everything they have. Two years ago from Orlando, how about this, dude? 92 total points were scored. Russo threw for four TDs. He's missed the past two games. This will be the eighth overall meeting. The Knights now 5-2. and two. They've won three in a row here over Temple. This is a squad on the year. The Owls, they're just 1-4. and four. Their lone win coming against USF. And, dudes, let's take a look. And uh, a week ago from Philadelphia, they're squaring off against 18th ranked team in the nation, SMU. This is a tight football game. They had the lead at the half. They go into the fourth quarter trailing by four. They were trailing by four points. This is context for you. And the ponies go on and outscore them 27-0 before eventually falling 47-23. to And two different quarterbacks played a-, a week ago for Temple. Yeah, definitely. So if you look at it, right, Scott, they're down to their third quarterback, and it's still a game at 2016. They were up at half going into, into half in the ballgame. So this is a team that's, you know, synonymous with Temple Tough, right? They're going to come out, play hard every single down, and they also are uh, their top – Nine players, they give them the, the single-digit numbers, right, for the, the nine toughest players on the team. So this is a team that has been synonymous with playing hard, playing through the whistle each and every every down, a real lunch pail type team. And you saw last week playing a ranked SMU at halftime, they were up. And in the third quarter, only down by four, and they're down to their third quarterback. So this is a team that's not going to quit. They, they have fight in them, and they're going to continue to fight. And this is a team that feels like they have nothing to lose. They're going to come into Orlando on Saturday – and give it their best effort. Blown out a couple weeks ago by Tulane, 38-3. to It's a defense that is last in the American. They give up nearly 40 points per game. UCF there on the other side offensively scoring 40-plus per game. And dues, Rod Carey talked about it this past week in his press conference, they may, may be traveling just 50 to 55 players to Orlando, which when you think about it is is mind-blowing, the, the amount of, of, of bodies that they, they might have on Saturday. Yeah, it's kind of equivalent to NFL roster, right, Scott? Yeah. On game day, is usually 46, but now with COVID, you can have, I think, up to right at 50 players. So you're looking at them having an NFL roster for a game day, and these kids are kids. They're not professional, so... It's one thing when you have professional athletes doing it because this is what they get paid to do. They know how to take care of their body through the week and, and get through those tough times. But these are kids that are that potentially only having 50 guys when, you know, most college teams probably have close to 70 guys up on the field and ready to play. So this is a team that's dealt with a lot of injuries, has some complications when it comes to COVID. But they fought in a lot of games. A lot of those scores were lopsided. But a lot of those games were real close going into the fourth quarter. And that USF game, they had to come back. And they were down big and had to come back and win that game. So there's no quit in this team. 
Yeah, it seems as if they've had pretty good starts to to begin football games, but have been unable to really put things together for for 60 minutes. We talk about Russo; he's missed the past two, and and now, oh by the way, we saw this guy last year, Raymond Davis. He was the leading rusher for the Owls. Quit the team earlier this week, and and is now uh, going to be putting his name in in the transfer portal. So a, a lot going on with Temple off the field. And you talked about, could this potentially be a trap game? The way I'm looking at it is UCF, the only only people that can beat UCF on a, on a Saturday against this Temple team, I think are the Knights themselves go, going into this. Just the way the team has been playing as well as they have several weeks in a row, I, it's hard-pressed for me to think that, that UCF is not going to be able to play and dictate the 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 type of game they want to have on Saturday. Yeah, definitely, Scott. I think you said it the best. The only team that could beat UCF this Saturday is UCF. But that's the thing about it. You play the game on the field, right? It's not played on paper. So you have to go out there no matter who the opponent is, and you have to start fast. You can't give a team like this life. Because we saw this two years ago. We were supposed to select them. And what you say? I think it was almost over 80 points in that game or something like that. 92 92 points. points. And Temple has has not been synonymous with putting up a lot of points. There's a team that fights you to the end. They want to get the game into the fourth quarter, and they're going to try to win it at the end of the game. He talked about it. Ramon Davis, their best player, was a a freshman All-American last year, just ups and quits the team and decides to go into the transfer portal. And you'll see see more and more of this going back to last year with De'Ara King deciding to do that after playing four games. Uh, we don't know what his reasoning was behind that because he was having a lot of success at Temple, but that's their best player on their team, if you ask me. Uh, you know, Anthony Russo is a good quarterback, but to me, Davis really had that offense, you know, going going and playing at a high level because they had to respect the run game so much that it really helped them in play-action-pass game with Anthony Russo and some of those weapons on the outside. So not having him at running back is really going to hurt this team because, to me, he was their best player. So that's just the year 2020, right, Scott? The, the weirder just keeps getting weird. The weird just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Weird and strange things like this is, is happening in 2020 this year. We talk about their their defense being last in the American, giving up those 40 points. And when you thought Temple football here, at least over the past five years, and this dates back even prior to, to Rod Carey, it, it was about defense and, and running the ball and having a play action and then Russo being able to, to take off when he needed to. Yes, this is a team that's synonymous with with outside linebackers and defensive linemen going to the NFL the next level. They had Hassan Riddick a few years ago going the first round. I believe their defensive uh, end last year that was all, I think the defensive player in the conference decided to transfer and go to Miami, and then he opted out this year. So this is a team that usually has really good defensive linemen and outside linebackers. And Arnold Ebukati is another player this year on that defensive line front that can really get after you. Uh, Three sacks this year, seven and a half tackles for losses. And second on the team with 33 tackles. This guy is disruptive from the edge, and it's synonymous what Temple has has been on defense the last few years. Dudes, before we take a look maybe at some some keys to this football game, we take a look around the league, and, and earlier this week it was announced that, that the Memphis and Navy game is going to be postponed, and I bring that up because that has direct implications here in the conference standings and whether or not they're even able to make that game up. Currently, Memphis, they've got those two losses. If you're a Knight fan, you wanted Navy to be able to play this game, win that game, because then that would give Memphis three losses 
and that would eliminate the, the tiebreaker over the Knights from winning earlier on in the season. You talked about Cincinnati coming into town um, next week, but a, another game here in the American where we don't know if these teams are going to be able to get these games back, where UCF has thus far been able to play every game. Yeah, and I would love to know what the protocol is. Is there a minimum amount of games you have to play to, to qualify for the conference championship? Because I think me and you also talked about this Tulsa's missed a few games in the beginning of the year, and then they missed another game last week. So what is, you know, the protocol for, for teams? Is it, do you have to play a minimum six games or is it seven or eight games? I mean, this, this is just a weird year, and I think rules are being made up as you go because you have to because, like you said, there's, there's certain games that are, especially this late in the year, it's hard to make up games right with only like a month of the season left because I think there was maybe one or two at the end of the season to make up games. But if teams have already put, been put in those slots, and I believe Tulsa and Cincinnati has already been put in one of those slots to make up games, how can teams make up games if they're, they're already slated to play games later because of the outbreak? And then also you have to just give a kudos to the support staff for UCF again. We're going to knock on wood, but we've, we've been able to play every single game this year. And it's a testament to the players, the coaches, and the support staff for UCF. Cincinnati on Friday night, they'll be at home against East Carolina, which means they get an extra day before coming to Orlando. That'll be a 3.30 kick from the bounce house. Again, another nationally televised game on ABC. 19th ranked SMU travels to Tulsa on Saturday. Now, SMU, they've got the one loss. Tulsa, much like Cincinnati, they have yet to lose in the league. That is a very interesting game. And then following that up, dudes, it'll be a short week for Tulsa. They'll play on Thursday at home uh, against Tulane. Again, a lot of football to be played, but then comes to these tiebreakers. And from my understanding, it, it'll go to total win percentage. So, for instance, if UCF and Memphis both have only two losses, yet the Knights have an extra win in the league, then then it would, would defer to that. But we'll have to, okay. to get a, a check on that. But you can you can see how Tulsa right now, the next two weeks are very pivotal for them. Yes, and me and you talked about this. The Tulsa, because of what's happening with COVID, they've missed so many games earlier in the year. They're not going to get much break going down the stretch. I believe they have to play five, six uh, weeks in a row. And and, and it, it all culminates at the end versus that game versus Cincinnati, right? It's one game at a time. But like I was telling you on the podcast, there's still a lot for this UCF-19 to play for. And if, if, if what you just said is indicative of how the season goes, if we potentially play all our games have the same record as Memphis but have an extra win – then that would, you know, give us a foot up in playing in the conference championship. Yeah, and same would go for for Navy too, who has just the in in the league thus far. Well, back to some keys for this Saturday's contest, UCF and the Temple Owls, where it will be Military Appreciation Day, and we should have some pretty rock-solid jerseys on hand. I mean, again, this year with, with the UCF tie-in with Nike, it seems every single week the fan base and, and just those around college football get a chance to see how creative this UCF equipment team can be. And the marketing team has a, has a hand in that. And, of course, Nike has a hand in that. But this is always such a special game because the, there, there is such a community around Orlando that has that military presence here for this, this Saturday night game under the lights of the Bright House. Yeah, definitely. I used to always love this month in the NFL and in college just because it really 
highlights what you know our veterans have done for us around the nation and keeping us safe and it really hits close to home my dad was in the army and then spent time overseas so it's amazing anytime I was able to go out there and uh you know for this week when I was in the NFL I used to always get you know the army fatigue shoes uh painted and done and also get the gloves and and the sweet towel so and I would always give him those after the game just showing my appreciation and, and, and love for him for for what he did you know they make the act the ultimate sacrifice week in and week out to make sure that we're safe in this country. So you have to salute to them. And I would like to say happy vet- veteran day to everybody that served out there. Yeah. There'll be some special homages coming up on, on Saturday night from East Orlando inside the bounce house when UCF and Temple go head to head. So that being said, let's get to some keys now dudes, maybe offensively first for the Knights who are the number one ranked Offense in the nation, you have DG who has not thrown an interception in 166 attempts. You've got a wide core that continues to play at a high level. We continue to see the maturation of Ryan O'Keefe, who goes home two weeks ago and scores a, a pair of touchdowns, Jalen Robinson, and, and a season-high rushing the football, Otis Anderson. So, so maybe some keys now here against this Temple defense that has struggled. Yeah, two keys. First, it's simple. Start fast, right? We talked about it. Temple has is, is started fast in their first couple of games. It's like the, the second half they've struggled. In, and part of that is what Rod Carey talked about. They don't have the depth, so they tend to wear down in the second half. So we need to start fast and get a nice nice lead versus Temple and, and, and then get them really behind the sticks and really test that depth they have. They, they're only going to be playing with 50 players. Let's test that depth. Start fast get a two-score league, and see how Temple responds. And second is what we've been doing the last three weeks, establish the run. We've talked about it. When we establish the run, this offense is almost unstoppable. Look at it last week, going over 350 yards rushing. I believe that we're in the top 10 in rushing now, too. Number one in offense and top 10 in rushing now. And when you have that type of compliment on offense, it makes it really hard for defenses to scheme against you. To Deuce's point about starting fast, and we saw it a week ago from that first quarter to the second quarter where UCF went on that 23-7 to run, had the nice halftime lead. Here, here's your number. UCF has outscored their opponents in the second quarter 105-24 to there in stanza number two. So we'll see if that trend can continue. Defensively, keys, Deuce. Defensively, uh, we have to get after this quarterback, Anthony Russo. He's missed the last two weeks, hasn't played, has a shoulder injury. So he's going to have some doubt in his head and some uncertainty in his head when he's out there. So I'm looking for our defensive line like they did last week. Who's going to step up? Will it be Cam good again? Will it be Noah Hancock? Will it be Landon Woodson and Josh Selenskar and drop? These guys knowing going into this game, they're going to get a lot more reps. Let's affect this quarterback and get him uncomfortable because, like I said, he's missed the last two weeks. So he's going to be a little shaky in his first start back. How about Richie Grant, who got his first career sack a week or two weeks ago against Houston? He celebrated a birthday this past week, as did Aaron Robinson. What about maybe a, one more key there for, for UCF defensively? Well, first of all, I'd like to give a shout-out to Aaron Robinson. He got his uh, senior bowl invite already. I know Richie Grant should be getting his soon. So happy birthday to both of them for early this week and getting those invites to the senior bowl. But second, these receivers that we talked about, right? Anthony Russo comes back. He has a real rapport with uh, with uh, Brandon Mack and, and Jaden Blue. So it's going to be pivotal for Aaron Robinson, whether he's in the slot versus Blue or he goes to the outside, you know, versus the bigger receiver and Brandon Mack. 
We guys got it. We got to protect. We got to ah. We really have to get after these guys at the line of scrimmage. Don't let them get free releases. If we go back to the game last uh, year, that first drive, Brandon Matt goes up top because we didn't re- really reroute him, and they score on their first drive. After that, UCF's defense settled in, and they really got after the quarterback and got some turnovers. I believe Aaron Robinson had two picks that game. So that that and third down efficiency, we have to get off the field like we did last week versus Houston in third down. Get off the field on third down and really compete with these receivers on the outside. A 63-21 to 21 beatdown from the city of brotherly love last year in Philadelphia. Otis goes for a career-high 205. Dues mentions the two picks by A-Rob. And the Knights with four sacks. We'll see if they can continue that trend, which they had the five sacks against Houston playing at a high level. As always, we finish things out. Two nights, one podcast. Do speak here leading into this this military appreciation day. We celebrated Veterans Day uh, on Wednesday. So do speak always something that that dues over his man almost 20 years, I would say, playing high level football from school to the collegiate 10 years in the league. He's had a lot of coaches tell him a lot of stuff. So dues, dues, give me a, a do speak for this week. Well, this week it actually comes from a player. We were, um, this is uh, my second year in the league. I was playing for the Rams and we were uh, god awful to be, to be light. <laughs> you know, we weren't really good, but we were playing at a Detroit Lions team. I believe only had one, you know, win on the season. And we felt like we could really beat that team. And one of the players said, you know, in games like this, you're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to, to beat, right? So that's my do speak for this week. Win the games you're supposed to win. And like each and every Saturday and Sunday you go on that field, you know, those guys suit up just like you and, and they play hard just like you. But you know, as a team, if you're superior to a team, there's certain teams that you're supposed to go out and beat and not give them any light. Don't give them any chance to win the game. This is one of those games this Saturday. You can't give this Temple team life. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Yeah, the Knights are fresh. They're coming off the bye. They are healthy. This Temple squad, again, might have just 55 players traveling to Orlando. A team that's reeling, whereas UCF still a lot to play for here in 2020. He is Leger Doosable. I'm Scott Adams. Two nights, one podcast drops every Thursday. Like, subscribe, and, and make sure that, that you're tuning in on, on Saturday night from Orlando. Should be a fun one. Doos, as always, go Knights. Charge on. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.